welcome to Wellness Your Way. I'm your host, Megan Lyons, and I've helped thousands of people find their own way to wellness. Wellness Your Way is an extension of that work, aimed to help you find your unique path to feeling your very best. Each week, we'll go through tactical strategies you can use to improve your health, happiness, and quality of life. So grab a mug of tea or lace up your walking shoes. We're about to dive in. Hello, my friends, and welcome back to episode 164 of Wellness Your Way. It's that time of year. Your Spotify wrap-up is out. Maybe you're getting a performance review at the end of the year at work. You're getting all kinds of summary statistics and highlights from the year. And we're going to do the same thing here on Wellness Your Way this week. In fact, I had so much fun diving through the statistics to see what your favorite guest interviews on Wellness Your Way in 2023 were. So based on the statistics, which is the number of downloads, I have cultivated clips from the top five podcast guest interviews in 2023 on Wellness Your Way, and I am going to play them for you. Boom, 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 rapid fire right after each other. So you have tons to take action on and learn from today. I am going to share tips on LDL and inflammation from Dr. Anthony Balduzzi, going to share tips on skin health from Dr. Aaron Chom. I'm going to share tips on how to make the healthy decisions even when you don't really want to in the moment from Dr. Christy Castillo-Catoni. I will share tips on insulin resistance and what to measure from Dr. Morgan Nolte. And then finally, we'll wrap up with ideas for daily movement for busy people from Dr. Thomas Hemingway. These were the top five Wellness Your Way guest episodes from 2023. And to be honest, I was pleasantly surprised. I didn't know what to expect when I looked through the statistics. I'm not sure I would have picked out these five. And the reason I'm telling you that is because the statistics matter to me only because I want to give you more of what you want. So when you love an episode, if you share it with your friends, family, Instagram, whoever you want to share it with, that helps me bring you more of that type of content. And as we head into 2024, your feedback is more important than ever. So let me know by sharing and downloading the ones that you like so I can keep bringing you more of that. I did notice as I was going through the top episodes from 2023 that those guest interviews are edging, if not overtaking my solo episode. So I'm hearing from you that you like the guest interviews just as much or more than the solo inter or solo episodes, which doesn't offend me at all. I am literally standing here trying to give you exactly what you want. So please do keep sharing the ones you love. Keep downloading the ones you love. Keep liking, rating, reviewing, anything you can do to give uh, the podcast some more momentum really makes a difference and helps me continue delivering the content to you. On that note, I have a couple of fun episodes to wrap up the year with you. I am so looking forward to delivering you tremendous content to the best of my ability in 2024. And with all that said, let's dive on in. Thank you. 
The first clip here is going to be from natural medicine doctor, Dr. Anthony Balduzzi, and he shared tips for fitness, nutrition, and overall health for people over 40. Now, the clip that I'll play for you here is kind of a twist on understanding your normal cholesterol panel, and he dives into a marker called oxidized LDL. What does that mean? And why LDL that's high might actually not be a problem. He relates LDL to inflammation and gives you uh, an interesting way to think about those two metrics. And then he talks about how to prevent oxidization. So prevent that oxidized LDL, what foods increase inflammation and so much more. Let's dive into that clip. I want to pivot a little bit back to something that you said, because I saw one of your Instagram videos about inflammation and heart disease and oxidized LDL. And you mentioned that term oxidized LDL a few minutes ago. I don't think that's something that when I see clients for the first time, they've never heard of that. This is not yet Hmm. common knowledge. So can you tell us what this is and how we can avoid uh, this being an issue? For sure. And I think it's like the standard blood test that many of us have gotten for years. When they look at cholesterol, you'll get your total cholesterol, you'll get your LDL level, your HDL level, your VLDL level, and your triglycerides. And that is like almost like a, just a too simplistic of a snapshot that we're now realizing. You can just look at the total number of these in aggregate of, of cholesterol that we find in the blood after it's been spun down and analyzed in a lab. But it turns out that whether or not that cholesterol is actually damaged through oxidation, which is the process basically of stealing electrons. And we can we could go into the science on that, but there are certain compounds that are naturally damaging to our bodies, whether they're toxins or whether it's endogenous stress um, and just generally an environment where the immune system is not happy, where these LDLs get effectively damaged, we can call them oxidized, and it makes them much more likely to be laid down as plaques and it makes it much more likely that our immune cells called macrophages, they become foam cells, they chew up these LDLs, and then we start to have a whole problems and changes to our arterial lining and all of our blood vessels. So basically, high LDL count in the presence of no inflammation is way better than having high LDL count in the presence of lots of inflammation. There's a lot of people who follow these super carnivore diets who are eating like ribeye steaks all the time, having lots of butter. They do have high triglycerides, high LDLs, a lot on blood work, but many of them may not have a lot of oxidized LDL. Um, and so that de- definitely changes the picture. It's not simple enough to say, oh, you have high LDL, this is this is necessarily damaging. It's how much of it's oxidized. And so the ways to prevent oxidation of these pr- special fats in your body are one, to load your body up with a lot of these things that are protective, these antioxidants. A lot of these are polyphenols from different kinds of plant compounds. We've heard of things from like broccoli or blueberries or cacao, all the dark green leafy vegetables and all these. They have compounds that are protective. But I think the more probably prudent and first step is to remove the oxidizing factors that we're getting into our diet that are causing this. And a lot of these are sugars. A lot of these are certain kinds of chemicals that were found in processed food. A lot of these are secondarily caused by pesticides and different things that are sprayed on foods that damage our gut, which influence our immune parameters and lead to oxidized LDLs. A lot of these are really crappy seed oils, canola oil, corn oil, soy oil, stuff that is fried and cooked at high temperature. The body responds by having an inflammatory action here, and then it can damage those precious LDLs that are just trying to do their thing. They're trying to go around and transport fats, cholesterols, around the body and, uh, and and they can be damaged in the presence of inflammation. And I think we can all, I'll, I'll speak broadly and I'd like to get your take on this. I think we can all tell in our own unique ways after having lived in our bodies for so long, like what signs of inflammation are for us uniquely. I'll tell you something kind of weird, but like in medical school, 
I kind of got like a freak under my eye infection, like right under my eyebrow. Don't know how it happened, but it, it totally irritated the skin. It, it was some kind of staph infection of some sort. And I ended up resolving it. But since that time, that part of my skin is just a little sensitive. And it's so cool because I know when my body's in an inflammatory state, under my left eyebrow, it gets a little red. And so it's kind of like a signal in a, in, a, in a gift in a sense now that I'm like, there is something that you know is triggering me. Otherwise, changes to my GI and bowel tract are certainly something. Foods that cause me mucus are oftentimes inflammatory foods, or at least for our bodies uniquely, because the body's creating more mucus in response because it wants to bind up things that it perceives as foreign, these antigens. And so I think us paying attention and knowing what our own triggers are, and then starting to weave out which foods, because the, the unfortunate truth is there are some quote unquote healthy foods that for some people are inflammatory and some people are totally fine. This is why it's like not simple enough to say this is healthy and this is not, although we want to, we have to kind of know for ourselves. Um, and I'd love for you to comment on that because I'm sure you have a lot of wisdom and personal experience, you know, through your research and, and you know, personal experience. Yeah, I'll widely agree with you that there are certainly things that cause inflammation for everyone. And some people's bodies are excellent at clearing that inflammation. So even if they do eat a double-sized McDonald's, whatever, whatever, they feel okay. And that's amazing for them. But also, I feel grateful for my body that I do not feel amazing if I eat something yeah. like that, because it's a reminder of, why I don't do this all the time. It's not deprivation. It's I choose to prioritize what makes me feel my best. So most of yeah. us are inflamed from any kind of low quality oils, added sugar, mm -hmm. food, colorings, preservatives, things like that, yeah. that you said. And then I would argue for um, almost everyone on some uh, end of the spectrum or some range in the spectrum, things like conventional dairy, uh, too yep. much gluten, refined grains, things yep. like that can be inflammatory for the vast majority of people. And then, like you said, there are mild food sensitivities, food intolerances, things that just don't do well for people. For whatever reason, I don't do well with cucumbers. I love cucumbers. They yeah. taste great. But every <laughs> single time, they make me feel bloated and just not yeah. optimal. And yeah. is that like, oh my gosh, I have an anaphylactic response to cucumbers. I can never eat them. No, but it's enough that it makes me choose not to eat them on a regular basis. That just is what what it is, but for the next person, cucumbers are super healthy. The next clip is from Dr. Aaron Chum. And if you remember this episode back when it aired, you'll remember that this episode was all about skin sobering, which is basically the practice of stopping any kind of products on your skin in order to let it heal. So that includes cleansers and sunscreen and makeup and lotions and serums and all of that kind of stuff, giving yourself a break from that. This is a practice developed by Dr. Aaron Chum, who we will talk to, who is a PhD and researcher uh, in the field of skin health. In this particular clip, I will uh, share her PASS, P-A-S-S -S acronym, where she talks about protecting, adjusting your lifestyle, and then skin sobering. Let's dive in. As a nutritionist, I can't Ooh, yes. not ask you about nutrition and skin. And prior to this interview, I've always told my clients, no product in the world is going to help you 
unless you're taking care of what you put in your body. Because like you said, our skin is an excretory organ. So a lot of times when I see kids or teenagers who have acne, that's a part in part a hormonal manifestation, but their skin's trying to get rid of the dairy and the sugar and the toxins that they're putting in there that's causing inflammation. So I think nutrition's very related to skin. I'm curious to hear your uh, inputs or your thoughts on this. I think you're 100% correct. And I think nutrition is more important than skin sobering. Um, there's a chapter in my book that I uh, have an acronym, P-A-S-S, PASS. And first is in the most important thing, which is P, which is protection. If you don't protect your skin, let it blown by the, the howling wind and the, 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 the minus 30 degree temperature in Canada, um, you're not gonna you're not gonna have a good chance. Yeah. The big sun, no, you're not gonna have a good chance. Second A is adjustment of lifestyle. Mm-hmm. What you eat is number one. Yeah. Whether you exercise or not is very important. Whether you smoke or drink is extremely important for your skin. If your lifestyle is not right, you cannot use any products and you look like an old hag, period. <laughs> yeah. It's it's the within that is first. So please do take care of your nutrition. And my book actually has a, a interesting part on glycation. Uh, if we have time, I will talk about it. Uh, sure. If you take care of P and A, adjusting your lifestyle. I don't I don't call it changing your lifestyle. Adjust it a little bit at a time. Yeah. It, you can't, you can't cold turkey everything. You know, I'm stopping to eat all processed food. I'm only eating vegetables. Mm-hmm. Uh, no, it's like holding your breath, going underwater. Yes. Before you know it, you're going to give up. You're going to have to come back up for air. It's, 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 a, it's, a, it's a restriction. Restriction never works. Uh, I agree. Uh, you know, suppression never works. Adjustment, a little bit, a little bit a day. Don't give up, just a little bit a day. You will be surprised to how much we underestimate what we can do in a year and overestimate what we can do a day. Yes. If you're doing it for a whole year, you won't believe the, the result. So an SS is just the last thing to do, skin sobering. And the easiest, how easy it is to not to have to go through the grueling routine of putting 12 layers of stuff on your skin. Yes. Compared to, I got to eat vegetables, cook good food. I got to exercise. I got to drag myself to the gym. The SS is the easiest thing, but the PA are the most important thing. In this next clip, we talked to Dr. Christy Castillo-Catoni, and she shared tips on everything from nutrition to meal planning to sleep to prioritizing your busy schedule and health at the same time and stress and everything in between. And what I'll share here is the clip where she talks about alcohol and how it relates to sleep and then how to focus on the long-term goal when in the moment it's really hard and we're wired for instant gratification. Let's dive in and hear her tips. We're not even talking about alcohol, but I do have to bring it in because a lot of people will, you know, have a a couple of glasses of of wine or their drink of choice and in the evening and, uh, and that it it might feel good and relaxing after a busy day, but that really does, um, can crash your energy levels, affect your sleep. And so, um, they, they really are directly related. I love this. Do you have any words of wisdom for those things like alcohol that, like you said, it does feel good in the moment 
or the cookie, it does feel good in the moment. How do we get ourselves to focus on the long term rather than that instant gratification? Yeah, I I like to every once in a while step back and and do this envisioning where I want to be in. And of course, we're not going to do that at any time you have a cookie. But I I think periodically it's good to think about where do I want to be in ten years? Where do I want to be health wise in fifteen years? Um, do I want to you know be able to once I'm retired travel the world and be able to you know hike or what are the things that maybe I can't do right now, but I I know I might have the chance to do it in the future. And if I don't stay well and and healthy and active, um, then I won't be able to do them. To me, I find that just personally very motivating. Um, And also just knowing when I, when I, don't eat well when I don't uh, five movement, just how, how I just don't feel well. I don't feel as energetic as motivated to do things. And so that makes me think maybe not on the first cookie, but maybe the second I'm like, you know what, I'm just going to regret this even like as, as soon as 30 minutes, 60 minutes later. Yeah. Um, and then maybe it's also driven me to find, cause I am at the end of the day, I am, a, a, I love my sweets. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, what can I, what alternatives can I find um, mm-hmm. that maybe still give me that sweet pleasure, but are, are healthier alternatives for me. And again, like you said, the internet is such a great thing for this. So there's so many recipes out there. Uh, but again, for what you asked, how do I, how do I pull back when I get like that? I want really bad that second glass of wine, or I want that extra cookie. I think it's really stepping back and thinking, I know I'm not going to feel great tomorrow morning. Yeah. Um, or I, I'm not going to feel great in an hour. And I really have these things I want to do um, short term. And then in the long term, it's just, I really have long-term goals that to me, it's really important just to be able to move um, and be there for my daughter, um, you know, in 20 years and, and in good health. Um, And for me, I I see what being on the other side of things is and and then all the complications from diabetes and all that. And so I, I see it firsthand and yeah, so that's, that's how what works for me and what I try to, to use for my patient. I love those, the short term, how will I feel right away, 30, 60 minutes, 24 hours after. And then long-term, who do I really want to be? And I'll see you out there 50 years from now, Dr. Christie. We'll be hiking some <laughs> mountain somewhere beautiful. and we'll I sure hope so. Feeling great. Yeah. Yes. Feeling good. <laughs> it yes, is a motivation. I, sure so. I yeah. love that long-term motivation. In the next clip, we hear from Dr. Morgan Nolte, who talks about insulin resistance and how that really is diabetes, or at least a flashing indicator that can give us years or decades advance notice that diabetes is creeping in. She talks about what to test for in particular in order to optimize your health and make sure that diabetes is not something you have to deal with. Let's dive in. And what's really, really important to understand is every single cell in your body has an insulin receptor. So very much like diabetes, it doesn't just affect one part of your body or one organ. It affects everything. Insulin resistance is diabetes, by the way. And we'll talk about kind of how does that all develop. So your body becomes resistant to the effects of insulin, which means your body has a harder time controlling your blood sugars. More and more insulin has to be released from your pancreas to keep the blood sugars in a normal range. What's fascinating is that there's a study that's shown 
that fasting insulin levels can predict type 2 diabetes up to two decades before fasting glucose. And it's not standard on a blood panel. Mm -hmm. So if the first key takeaway from this is to check your fasting insulin, Um, an optimal fasting insulin is less than six, okay? And that's really a pretty tight range. You really have to have your health habits dialed in to get that that low of a fasting insulin, but that's really what we're looking for. And often people will have a normal hemoglobin A1C, which is a three-month average of blood sugar, or they might even have a normal fasting insulin level, or they may maybe on the low end of prediabetes. But what they don't recognize is that it's taken really decades to get to that point of insulin resistance. And so if you were to check your fasting insulin, it could still be pretty far above the optimal range and still be keeping that blood sugar in a normal range. So that's why I'm such an advocate for testing for insulin, because it gives you 10 to 20 years of a heads up before you see the clinical symptom of diabetes, that diagnostic criteria, you know, of a certain A1C level or a certain fasting blood sugar level. So that's one big takeaway is just because you have a normal A1C or a normal blood sugar doesn't mean that you don't have an insulin problem. And you also don't really need to have a weight problem. That's another thing that we can talk about. Insulin resistance often um, is accompanied by weight loss resistance or being overweight or being obese, but it doesn't always have to be. Yeah. So there's something called thin on the outside, fat on the inside, TOFI. I didn't make that up. <laughs> uh, actual clinical term is TOFI. And insul- checking your fasting insulin is a great way to be sure that you're not one of those people. Also, yes. checking fasting insulin can help really catch people who are considered metabolically healthy obese. And I think this is really interesting too, because the normal criteria for being metabolically healthy obese is having like a larger waist circumference. And one other symptom of metabolic syndrome, so like high triglycerides, high blood sugar, high blood pressure, and low HDL, plus a large waist circumference. But if you use fasting insulin as an indicator for metabolically healthy obese, you catch 43% more of those people. Wow. So while maybe 50% of people with obesity think they're healthy, only 7% are actually maybe truly metabolically healthy. So that's another big reason. It's it's weight independent. Uh, You can't tell it with your blood sugar. But if you want to prevent the boulders, if you want to have as many years as you can to make these lifestyle changes, and it does take years sometimes, check your fasting insulin. In this final clip, we talk to MD and emergency room doctor, Dr. Thomas Hemingway, who has to be one of the most energetic guests we've had on the podcast in 2023 or maybe ever. And again, in his episode, he shared everything from nutrition to lifestyle and everything in between. But the clip that I'll share with you as the final clip in today's episode is when he talks about having more variety in our foods, and then he moves into tips for busy people to include movement in their day. If you don't have time to spend 90 minutes in the gym, these tips are for you. 
Let's dive in. For the average person, if we just get more variety of actual whole foods on our plates, we're going to feel better. No questions asked. Yeah, totally. It's, it's really that simple. And I, I, you know, I remember from, I think it was third or fourth grade, my teacher taught me the KISS mnemonic, right? Keep it simple, sweetie. Like it's got to be simple. If it's yes. hard and you got this big, long list, I don't care what that is, whether it be respect to a diet or an exercise program, whatever. If it's complicated, you're not going to do it for the rest of your life, right? Because these are things yes. we want to do for the rest of our life, because we don't want to feel good for a week or a month or just get into that pair of jeans or that dress or whatever. And then all of a sudden bounce back to how we were. No way. We don't want to do that. We want to feel great forever. Right. I mean, like me, tell them a hundred plus surfing still, I, I want to feel that zest ongoing forever each and every day. And so you got to keep it simple. So that's the, the real simple thing with food. The second one F now M is for movement. And this is one of my favorite things. And the good news is, guys and gals, you do not need a gym membership. If you have one, fantastic. Like, that's amazing. I personally don't have one. I rather would just go outside and hop on my bike or go for a walk yeah. or, you know, if it's snow available, I'll hit this, hit it up and, and take my skis or my snowboard, either one, or if there's surfing available. I like to be outdoors. And so any movement you do is paramount. Like, you've heard of the new dictum, you know, sitting is the new smoking. Well, it's not really, but what they've noted is that the hours that we sit in a day is basically directly proportional to all of the illnesses out there. All of the chronic illnesses that we've heard of from heart disease to cancer, all of these things go up incrementally with the number of hours that we sit in a day. So, you know, super simple hacks you can do. What I almost always do is I, I work many hours of the day, not a hundred percent because you want to sit sometimes, but I have a standing desk. And if you don't have one, that's cool. Just put a couple of boxes. We all, you know, order stuff online. There's probably plenty of boxes in the garage. Put a couple of boxes on top of your desk or a stack of books and then put your laptop or whatever on top of that. You can stand a couple hours a day. It doesn't have to be every hour. Start small. Maybe start 15 minutes every hour and just stand, right? Just simple stuff. And then body weight exercise, whether, you know, you're trying to do like an air squat, like I'm kind of faking right here or or, you know, I have pull-up bars located, you know, hanging on the doorways of my house. Just little things that remind me um, to move my body a little bit every hour if I can. And then of course, for, you know, minimum is sort of my goal, always 30 minutes a day, but I, I usually way out, outdo that, but it's, it's just, it's something that can be really simple. I think we all have a couple minutes here and there, like the simplest way to start for that, Megan. And I think you've talked about it before is that when you eat something, make that a promise to yourself that you'll just move your body for a couple of minutes afterwards. You know, I eat three meals a day. So I try to take three, 10 minute walks a day. There, I've done 30 minutes already. Like, holy moly. Like, I, I could probably tell you, oh, I don't have 30 minutes consecutively, but I could throw in 10 minutes after every time I eat a meal. Just go for a little walk, get some sunshine, get some fresh air. You're checking off all the boxes and it feels great and it's great for your metabolism. So movement is critical. Wouldn't you agree? I absolutely agree. I think the 10 minute strategy is so smart because people really can find 10 minutes if they prioritize it. All right, my friends, that will wrap this episode number 164. I hope you've enjoyed all of these clips. We have linked to all of these full episodes in the show notes for this episode. So if you scroll down on your podcast player, you'll see the direct links to any of these episodes. If you missed one of them and you were enticed based on what the guest was saying in the clip that I shared today, go ahead and add that full episode to your podcast lineup. Maybe you have some extra time over the holidays to listen to it. 
I am so grateful for your feedback and so glad you loved these top five interviews from Wellness Your Way in 2023. Here's to many more in 2024. Thanks for listening to another episode of Wellness Your Way with Megan Lyons. I always love connecting with listeners, so be sure to follow me on social media. And don't forget to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts so you don't miss brand new episodes each week. If you love Wellness Your Way, please leave us a rating and review. I appreciate it so much. Stay well, and I'll be back next week. The Wellness Your Way podcast is provided for information only and should not be misconstrued as medical advice. Please consult with your physician or otherwise qualified practitioner on any matters regarding your health and well-being or on any opinions expressed within this podcast or the LionShare website.